sung at my funeral service. And one of them is, uh, he looked beyond my fault and saw my need. She wrote that song too, Dr. Rambo. He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. We were going to sing. We changed uh, to the family of God because uh, uh, Diedrichs were here and uh, Mary Lee too uh, being here. I thought it very appropriate that we changed. We'd, of course, on Tuesday when we picked songs out, we didn't know what we were f- facing for the weekend, but uh, we were going to sing the third verse of an Al Smith song. I'm just going to read the words. Third verse of Surely Goodness and Mercy on Monday when I left here. Linda and I left here. I dropped Linda off at the house and I went to a visitation for a, a funeral at Harvest Baptist Church. And I looked over there and David Smith, now that's, uh, he went to Ambassador. He's Al Smith's son. David and Ginger came when Linda and I got married about 11 years ago. They came to our wedding. And he said, Come over, brother. I want you to meet the rest of the pastoral staff at Grace Baptist Church. And so we met those folks. And uh, as I was picking out songs on Tuesday, I saw uh, in relationship to subject of grief in the book of Job, the third verse of Surely Goodness and Mercy says, When I walk through the dark, lonesome valley, my Savior will walk with me there, and safely his great hand will lead me to the mansions he's gone to prepare. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The chorus goes on and Uh, says, and I feast at the table spread for me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. uh, This is is Josh Smith's song as he's looking for a wife. Surely goodness and mercy. He says what he sings that old song. Surely goodness and mercy. Uh, I, I really appreciate things that Al Smith wrote. He wrote a lot of good scriptural songs. And, and uh, anyway, this is one of them. Surely goodness and mercy. Job chapter 2 and verse 13 tonight. Job chapter 2 and verse 13. We've been preaching on Sunday nights on this book of Job. We had a, a couple of messages already and tonight we're looking at a subject that will not be finished tonight. I'll be preaching some other messages before we finish with the book of Job on this subject of grief Notice what it says in Job chapter 2 and verse 13. This is Job's friends. The three friends sat down with him and it says, And they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights. And I've said that's the greatest thing. I've done grief counseling. I've been a hospice chaplain for about 10 years. The greatest thing those friends did was say nothing and sit there just to be there, to be there with Job. And it says they sat down seven days and seven nights and none spake a word unto him. But here's the phrase. For they saw that his grief was very great. They saw that his grief was very great. Grief is like a snowflake. It's unique to each person. No one can say, I... uh, I know exactly what you're going through. They don't know what you're going through. I don't care if they've had a loss in their own family. I mean, I've had a loss. My parents have passed away. I was at their bedside when dad passed away in 1997. I was at the bedside when my mom passed away in 2004. Uh, Both of those, uh, one at Trident Hospital and one uh, in Charleston and one in Somerville. 
And then when my wife passed away in Irmo, I was there at the bedside when she passed away. And, uh, uh, you know, that we, we experience grief. Our children experience grief. But we don't know what other people are going through exactly. We cannot say, I know what you're going through. Because grief is unique to each person. It's like a snowflake. I know a Savior, though, who told me in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The one that we talked about uh, in the prayer, opening prayer, in Isaiah 53 and verse 3, it says he's a man of sorrows and he's acquainted with grief. Psalm 139, we won't look there tonight. We may in a future message, but he's the one who knows all about us. When we get up and when we sit down, he knows all about us. He knows our heart. He knows our heart. When somebody else says, well, I know your heart. No, they don't. Uh, he does, though. We know a God that does. Each person's grief is unique. Adam, when Cain killed Abel, had a different kind of grief. David, when he lost the child, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 22 and 23. I preach on that sometimes when I've done children's funerals. Uh, Rachel, when she was unable to have children and, and, and was weeping, that grief uh, was unique grief. Mary, Martha, and Jesus in John chapter 11, well, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Their grief was different than David's and different than Adam's and, and Rachel's grief. Whether it's a loss of a spouse or the loss of a child, a loss of a grandparent or a grandchild, the loss of a job, separation in marriage or divorce, or the loss of a ministry position, or what various things that cause us to have grief. Grief is unique, and Job's grief was different. We will not suffer just exactly like Job suffered. We will not have grief exactly like Job had grief. But I want us to see the reality, first of all, the reality of grief. And we see there in that verse, Job 2.13, for they saw that his grief was very great. It was very great. Serving as a pastor now for a little over 40 years and uh, being at bedsides with people of Nick units when children have passed away or uh, or as a hospice chaplain or just working at a funeral home. I work uh, at a funeral home now, Green's Funeral Home in Rock Hill part-time. I worked uh, a funeral home in Whiteville, and I would get calls, and they'd say, uh, the family has no pastor. Would you uh, preach the service? And I said, I'll be glad to. So I would call them the night before, uh, get to know people, know the situation, know a little bit about them, uh, plan the service. Some of them lost people. Some of them saved people. But I can tell you that grief is real. The reality of grief. Uh, I want you to look with me at some of the verses in Job. I just went through as I read Job again this week. and I marked down some of the things it says about grief and the reality of grief. Notice what it said in chapter 3 of Job. It says, after this opened Job his mouth and cursed his day. And so uh, and their, their custom of the time was that when you went in to, a, to be with a family, you never spoke when somebody lost somebody. You never spoke until that person spoke. 
And so here they were silent for seven days. Job had not opened his mouth. But here we find in chapter 3, he finally says something. And after this, opened Job his mouth and he cursed his day. He said, you know, just wish I hadn't even been born. And Job, Job spake and said, let the day perish wherein I was born. And the night in which it was said that there is a man child conceived. Here we see in this passage of scripture that he got to the place where uh, though he trusted God, it was a very low time because of his grief. Look at verse 11 of the same chapter. He said, why died I not from the womb? I mean, why didn't, how was I, why not, was I even born into this world? Why did I not give up the ghost or die when I came out of the belly or came out of my mama? Why, why didn't I die then? And he was at a, a very a low place in the midst of his grief. Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. But Job answered and said, here's the three friends, each take some turns saying some things, and there, there are some truths that they gave. Sometimes it's not just what we say, but how we say it, and that was true for these friends. who I've said that if anybody says uh, has friends like this, who needs enemies? But in chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, But Job answered and said, Oh, that my grief were thoroughly weighed, and my calamity laid in the balances together. He said, this is, a, this is a heavy weight, this grief that I'm going through. A, diff, a very difficult time. Same chapter, verse 9 through 13. He says this, Even if it would please God to destroy me, that he would let loose his hand and cut me off, then should I yet have comfort. Yea, I would harden myself in sorrow. Notice again, the reality of grief. Let him spare not, for I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. Where is my strength that I should have hope? To the end of his hope and the end of his strength in his own flesh. That is mine end that I should prolong my life. Is my strength the strength of stones? Or is my flesh of brass? And he says in verse 13, ask this question, is not my not my help in me? The answer is obviously no. It's not help in himself, but this is what he's asking in the midst of his grief. Sometimes grief produces in us wrong thinking. We talked about thinking this morning, Philippians, that uh, we need to think on things that are true, whatsoever things are true. We need to speak truth to our heart, even in the midst of difficult times. Chapter 14 and verse 20 in Job. Again, we, I just marked a few of these uh, chapters to see some of the verses that shows the reality of Job's grief. Chapter 14 and verse 20, it says, Thou prevailest forever against him, and he passes. Thou changest his countenance and sendeth him away. Uh, his countenance had fallen. Notice verse 22. But his flesh upon him shall have pain, and his soul within him shall mourn. Shall mourn. Then uh, in chapter 16 and verse 6 says, Though I speak, my grief is assuaged or it's eased. And though I forbear, why am I, what am I uh, eased? Is it, is it going to go away? 
Is it going to finally go away? Is it going to be eased? Verse 16 of the same chapter says, My face is foul with weeping, and on my eyelids is the shadow of death. I mean, there had been so much uh, crying going on. His face was now red, and uh, eyelids, it says, the shadow of death. And it just could tell in, in how the, the weeping had taken place. Chapter 17, verse 1, my breath is corrupt. That's probably what my wife says. Sometimes. My, wife, my breath is corrupt. My days are extinct and the graves are ready for me. I mean, I'm, it's, it's time for me to just probably go on to the ground. My own self, after all the loss that he went through. Verse 7, chapter 17, mine eye also is dim by reason of sorrow. Blurs our vision. When my wife passed away. I had my three children. John was a student at Bob Jones University and came home, was home for a few days. Amy was working at the Wiles up here uh, uh, and on full-time staff, had already graduated from college and she was working at the Wiles near Brevard. And I had called Ken Collier and I uh, told him that mama was sick and he said, well, if Amy could work through the music conference in January, this is a couple of years before Barbara passed, uh, she, I think it would be good if she came home. And so she came home and she helped me take care of, of her mom uh, for uh, almost two years. And she helped me homeschool Matthew, the, the younger brothers, eight years younger than her. He was 16 years of age. And I... Uh, I told him, I said, uh, after mom passed away, I said, you be careful when you're driving because you will just be staring off into the distance. You'll run a stop sign. You don't know. I mean, just, you're just, your vision is blurred. You're just not paying attention to things. It's a reality of grief, the reality of grief. Chapter 19 and verse 19 all my inward friends abhorred me. All my close friends have left me. And they whom I loved are turned against me. Sometimes people feel that, I mean, sometimes people really care. And I tell you, in this church, people know how to care. <laughs> this is a caring fellowship here, praise the Lord, who show the love of Jesus Christ. But some folks just feel in their grief that there's nobody, nobody cares for me now. Even some of my own family, uh, he said. Uh, some people, I put down here, some people stay too long when they make a visit and some don't come at all. And so uh, a difficult, some difficult circumstances even in the midst of grief. Then chapter 30 and verse 26. When I looked for good, then evil came unto me. And I waited for night. There came darkness. I just couldn't see in the midst of grief. I, uh, I was pastoring a church. Uh, as you know, in your own church here, when your pastor's wife passed away, it is a very difficult thing to pastor a church without a mate. So I left Irmo and moved to Rock Hill, became a hospice chaplain, still dealing with death and grief on a full-time basis as a chaplain. 
but not pastoring a church. And uh, a year after I uh, had moved to Rock Hill is when Linda visited the church where we were at Harvest Baptist Church, where my kids were uh, members of a church, and Linda attended. And, uh, of course, her husband had passed away as well, and she had been through a time of grief and was still in the midst of that grief uh, uh, a year or so after the death of her spouse. Grief is real, and uh, Job's grief was real, and just these words show that what Job was, just a little bit of what he was going through. But can I tell you that the reality of grief also, I think, is superseded by grief's relief, not just its reality, but its relief. And in Job chapter 22, Job chapter 22 There's a verse in verse 21 that I want you to mark in your Bible. I don't know that I had it marked before in my Bible in in Job. A lot of verses, sometimes some chapters, every every verse is underlined in my Bible, and I wonder why I underline if every verse is marked. But in this particular verse, it was not marked in my Bible until I began to study for this message. In Job 22, verse 21... Acquaint now thyself with him, speaking of God. Acquaint now thyself with him, with God, and be at peace. Eliphaz, or Eliphaz, however you pronounce it, sometimes it depends on what emphasis you put on what syllable to uh, how you're going to pronounce that. Uh, But he spoke truth, and he spoke that statement Acquaint, he says, now thyself with him, with God, and be at peace. Comforted by the character of God. I've made that the theme of a lot of the messages on Job thus far. I was reading this week, I told you that the floodwaters and an eight-inch rain came and got into my garage where I had stored a bunch of books. And I've been putting up the ones that are wet and Soaked up, had to throw some of them away. Some of them we just put in front of fans and vents at the house. But I was reading in a book this week. It was by a a Scottish preacher from the 1800s. And he was giving commentary on this verse of Scripture, Acquaint now thyself with him, with God, and be at peace, which I call the relief of grief. He says, True peace comes only from God. The preacher said, peace is found in knowing God. God himself is the fountainhead of our peace. Yet acquaintanceship with God is peace. Had God told us that he was not gracious, that he took no interest in our welfare, we could have no peace or no hope at all. God has declared himself to be gracious. God is love. He has embodied his grace in the person and work of his beloved son, Jesus. Let us study the character of God. He's holy, yet loving. The love does not interfere with the holiness, nor the holiness with the love. He's absolutely sovereign, yet infinitely gracious. The sovereignty not limited by the grace, nor the grace relaxed by the sovereignty. Insufficient 
acquaintanceship with God lies at the root of fear and gloom. The Scottish preacher goes on to say, in the Bible, God has revealed himself. In Christ, he's done so, so expressively. He's done so that there might be no mistake as to his character. Christ's person is the revelation of God himself. Christ's work is a revelation of God. He is the, in the Father, and the Father is in him. His words and his works are the words and works of the Father. In the manger, he showed us God. We preached about that in the incarnation at Christmas time. In the manger, he showed us God. In the synagogue of, of Nazareth, he showed us God. At Jacob's well, he showed us God. The tomb of Lazarus, he showed us God. On Olivet, he, as he wept over Jerusalem, he showed us God. On the cross, he showed us God. In the tomb, he showed us God. In his resurrection, he showed us God. If we say with Philip, show us the Father and it suffices us, he answers, how long have I been with you and yet he have not known me? He hath, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. John chapter 14, verses 6 through 8. This God whom Christ reveals as the God of righteous grace and gracious righteousness is the God with whom we have to do. And to know his character is to have peace. To know his character is to have peace. Isaiah 26, 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. When Lynn and I had our first date, I'm very thankful for her. Uh, we met uh, there at the church, uh, in Harvest Baptist Church, as she came to visit. And I'd asked her out to go to Olive Garden, and we spent three hours together, found out our stories were very similar. Her husband had died of the same cancer my wife had, and... Uh, she was continuing to serve the Lord, wanting to continue to serve the Lord. And she told me in that first meeting, she said, when my husband died, the Psalms became my go-to book in the Bible. The Psalms became my go-to book in the Bible. And as we talked about it, I realized why. Because over and over in the Psalms, we have the character of God. And we're going to find an acquaintanceship with him gives us peace. An acquaintanceship with him. Let's take our Bible, and I'm going to look at a couple of those psalms. We won't do that uh, many tonight. I, uh, tonight we've got a business meeting, and I want to read a few of these to you. This is one starting in Psalm 3. Psalm 3, verses 3 through 5. And this is marked in my Bible. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. And in times of grief, we need somebody to lift our head. He's the lifter up of my head. I cry in the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. The word selah in there, when we're doing public reading of Scripture, we don't need to read selah. It means think on these things, so we don't usually read it in public reading of scripture but he says I cried unto the Lord with my voice he heard me out of his holy hill verse 5 I laid me down and slept Mary Lee told me that she slept the other night till 10 o'clock in the morning and I think I told her I said I, I know that sleep is a gift from God Amen. it's a gift from God and she slept and God gave her rest I laid me down and slept I awaked 
for the Lord sustaineth me. The Lord sustaineth me. Psalm 5 says, beginning in verse 1, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken to the voice of my cry, my King, my King and my God. Notice the personal God. He's my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shall thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. And then verse 11 of that same chapter says, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. The theme of the book of Philippians. Let all that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them Ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. You're the protector, the shelter of them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. And then the sixth psalm, just the next one, beginning in verse 6, says, I am weary with my groaning all the night. Make I my bed to swim. This is the, the weeping that goes on in the midst of sorrow. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxed old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Acquaintanceship with God gives us peace, relief in times of grief. I found a box recently, and I've, I've saved them. Eventually, I'm sure that I'll get rid of them, but a box of a bunch of cards that uh, people sent us when my wife passed away. Two cards uh, in there from Beth Lynch. Mac Lynch was uh, worked with the music at the Wilds for many years. He's the music director at uh, Catawba uh, Christian over in Apex, North Carolina now. And um, his wife, Beth Lynch, wrote a couple of cards. And all those cards, those two cards to our family, she included this phrase from the song we're going to conclude with tonight. In the song, Be Still My Soul, it says, In every change, he faithful will remain. In every change, he faithful will remain. Grief for Job very real but God provides relief from grief as we know get to know him and know him better that's why we soak ourselves in the Psalms and the character of God knowing Christ and knowing God the Father brings us comfort in times of grief let's bow for prayer Father thank you for what we learn from the book of Job concerning grief I pray tonight there's folks in our church that may be going through some difficult times. I don't know everybody's situation, but I know the God of the situations. It's not just about the why, but it's about the who, the one we turn to, who is the fountainhead of peace. And Lord, help us to get to know him better. Help us to be overwhelmed with the character of our God. Lord, though we go through difficult times, and if we're not going through something now, it's, it's coming down the road to all of us. I pray that, Lord, we would know the peace that only comes 
from getting a better view of the big God that we serve. Lord, thank you that tonight, that in every change, you faithful will remain. We thank you in Jesus' name.